0: Hey, there we are. All children involved in the Sunday School concert, please go downstairs for our practice. Let's do that. Wanted to make sure I got all those words right. Instructions are important. Good morning. I am Chad. And um, just some guy talking about Jesus. Dave Penner shook my hand this morning and he gave me some directions. He says, Give it to us, he says. Now, if you know Dave Penner, give it to us doesn't mean give it to us. It means double barrels, give it to us. And so uh, I don't know if that's going to happen today, Dave, but uh, we'll see. Let's pray before we start. Dear God, I'm so thankful for today. I thank you that you have placed us in this time and in this place. I thank you that you have um, given us a reason to be here, Lord. That's so amazing, that without that reason, Lord, without all of those things that you have done, I have nothing to say, and we have nothing to sing about. And so I thank you for that. In your name I pray, amen. This week, yesterday, hmm, when was it? Friday night, something like that, I said to my wife, Mona, I said, um, <clears throat> I'm just having trouble putting all these parts together. You know, I've listened to so many things and I've, I've read so many articles and all of this stuff and there's all of these things and they're just floating around. I'm just not sure how to put it together. And she drolly looked and said, imagine if you're the one who had to write the Bible. <laughs> that was tough. What you got, that's not so bad. So, here we go. In July, Darren and I were visiting, and he says, Chad, I want to go through Colossians. I wonder if you could just read some of Colossians so that we can, just, I can, we can bounce ideas off of each other and just read Colossians over and over, and we'll see what happens. And I said, Okay. So I went away on holidays. Mona and I went to Idaho. If you ever want to know about Idaho, it's awesome. You should go to Idaho anyways. So we headed off to Idaho, and I listened to Colossians, and I read Colossians. Now, the first couple chapters, they're thick and they're heavy. And so for a little while, I didn't get past those because I was just like, oh, I've got to read this. And then finally I said, I've got to read the whole thing. I didn't know what I was going to be preaching on at that time, or even if I would. And so he says, uh, so I was reading it, and it's like, i got to read the whole thing. i got to read the whole thing. And there was one particular passage where I was like, man, I hope I don't have to preach on that one. And, um, yeah. (laughs) But I noticed a few things as I was reading. And one of the words, like sometimes words just jump out at me. And I'm sure it's just not my excellent reading skills. I'm sure the Holy Spirit is just saying, notice this, Chad. Notice this. And so one of the words that I noticed was the word mystery. I'm going to put this pen down because Mona will be mad at me if I click it all the time. Um, One of the words is mystery. And it's like, what is a mystery? What's so mysterious about all of these things? Four times in Colossians, he uses the word mystery. Fourteen times in Paul's letters, he uses the word mystery. But why? why do you use the word mystery? What is a mystery? So, this summer, at the end of summer, we came home from our holidays in wonderful Idaho, and uh, we went downstairs, and lo and behold, the basement was full of water. 700 gallons. So, it got pumped out, and we've been in the process of going through all of that stuff. And um, we've now got... The the walls are painted, we... (laughs) Someone else is doing it. Thankfully, I'm getting a little old for that. So someone else is painting the walls, they put new floors in, we're just waiting for some trim. And Mona, being who she is, likes the little finer details, and she's been all excited about putting on all the electrical covers. Now, that might seem kind of strange, unless you're that type of person who just likes to put the beautiful finishing touches on all the choices they have made. And so she organizes all of her little screws, and those screws are very specific, they're the right color, and they're the right shape, and there's a specific amount. And so she counts them all up. She's on the cupboard and she counts them all up. She's got an even number of screws, which is good because that's what you need. And so she heads downstairs and she's got all of her things and she's so excited and she goes downstairs and she starts putting these on. Um, when she gets to almost done, she starts looking in her hand and she's seeing an odd number of screws. And this just messes her right up. I mean. My wife is one of those people who goes to school and loves to work on Excel and organize things and put things all together. And when all of a sudden, what she had organized is not organized anymore, that bothers her. So she's got five screws left. Where's that other one? And so she goes looking for it, can't find it. She comes upstairs, she says, Chad, I don't know where it went. It doesn't make sense. Now, she didn't say it was a mystery, but it was a mystery at that time. And that's what I would say a mystery is. A mystery is something that doesn't make sense. I don't get it. So, mystery. This is what I do when I have no definite plan and I'm reading the Bible. I take a dive, okay? When I see the word mystery, it's like, let's go deep into mystery. Let's just see where that rabbit hole leads. And so, let's read in Colossians 1 verse 25 to 27. My passage is a little bit later on, but we're going to focus on this for a little bit. Colossians 1, 25 to 27. If you have your Bibles or your app, please look on there and follow along. I am uh, reading, I use the Christian Standard Bible for various reasons, but that's what I'll be reading from today. Colossians 1, 25 to 27. It says, I have become its... So let's just back up and I'm going to put the word in there. I have become the church's servant, this is Paul talking, according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you the hope of glory. Mystery, not so much of a mystery anymore. Christ in you. Except, too often here in our Christian circles, we say Christ in you, excellent. Good stuff, thanks pastor, thanks preacher Chad. Good sermon, see you later, okay? What does that mean though, okay? What does it mean Christ in you? And how does that Christ in you become the hope of glory? What's the significance of Christ in that statement? And what is the significance of Christ in me in that statement? Yeah, so I went down that rabbit hole a long ways. To determine the mystery of the gospel, I think we need to ask ourselves this. What did the people around Jesus in his time not understand? And what was misunderstood. Immediately my brain goes on this awesome firework show of stories in the Bible. I'm pretty sure God says, okay, I've got mystery, we're gonna go bang, bang, bang. And it's like, I close my eyes and I lay down and it's just firing away, bam, bam. And one of the first stories that comes to my head is a story about a guy named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious ruler at that time when Jesus was around and in the middle of the night so that he wasn't seen he came and talked to Jesus and he said I kind of don't get what you said earlier today over in the synagogue I just I'm just not sure what you meant and so Jesus explains what he said and Nicodemus goes oh now I'm a teacher I'm a shop teacher and so I have students come to me and they'll say, Mr. Martins, what do you want me to do now? And I'll say, all right, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go uh, lift the vehicle on the two-post hoist and then I want you to pull the passenger side tire off and then come get me and I'll tell you what to do. I said, do you remember how to use the two-post lift? And I I get some response like this. (laughs) And in my mind I'm like, no, you don't remember. Okay, so I'm going to have to back up here. And so I've gotten pretty good at reading that because if they do it wrong, it's dangerous, okay? We're lifting thousands of pounds over our head. So I've gotten, had to get really good at reading that. Uh, yeah, no. And I think that's what Jesus saw in Nicodemus's face because Jesus had says you must be born again. And Nicodemus was like, do I have to go back into my mother's womb? Like, what's going on here, Jesus? I don't get it. Jesus explains it again. Nicodemus says, oh, didn't get it. And then another story comes to my mind. Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. He gathered his people around him, and he was talking about the Sermon. He was, had a Sermon on the Mount, and he was talking about things of what his kingdom would be. And he said some things that they just, it just didn't make sense. And in many ways in our world, it still doesn't make sense. He said things like, you've heard it said that if you murder someone, that's a bad thing. Don't murder someone. But I tell you, if you hate someone in your heart, it's the same. Oh, no, that doesn't make sense. I mean, if I hate someone, it's probably because they did something to me. Right, And I'm very justified in order to have that feeling of hate. I didn't murder anybody. I got that down. Okay, I'm good. No, Jesus says, this is next level. You need to know. And then his disciples came by. Another story came to mind. His disciples came by and they said, hey, Jesus, when you uh, finally you know fight these Romans, which was a misunderstanding of what was going to happen anyway. So they were just so confused. And if you if you could just take us to the other side of beating all these Romans and and standing on your throne, who among us is going to be near you, beside you? Who among us disciples is going to be working right beside you? And Jesus said, you don't get it. He said, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. So the Gospels are just full of confusion. Jesus saying things, people saying, oh, but not really getting it. In fact, on his last days on earth, he said, I want to show you something. And he got Peter. And Peter, I'm so thankful for Peter because he's so blah. And so I could hear, I can just see everything in his mind. And he says, Peter, I want to wash your feet. And Peter says, no, I'm supposed to be washing your feet. Jesus says, "If if I don't wash your feet, then you're not mine. And Peter says, then wash all of me. And Jesus was like, kind of not the point here, Peter. The point is that you need to pay attention to me because I'm showing you how to do this later. I'm going to wash your feet. Later, he said to Peter, he said, do you love me? Peter says, yes, you know I love you. Then love my people. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll do that, absolutely. He had no idea what that meant. And then we have the idea of forgiveness. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, comes down to earth and dies on the cross. That doesn't make sense. He looks at Chad and he says, I need nothing from Chad. I don't need anything from him. God doesn't need anything from us at all. God, Holy Spirit, Jesus, they all had perfect unity and perfect harmony. They did not need world, but they chose to do that, to share their wonderfulness with us. He chose to forgive and we choose to reject. He forgives, all of that happens over and over. Confusion, one more example. The disciples, they're waiting for Jesus to bring the nation of Israel together and to conquer all of these evil people around them. But Jesus says, I'm going away. What? Where are you going? Uh, I'm going to sleep. No, okay, they didn't get that. Uh, I'm going to die. I'm going to be killed. No, that, that can't happen, the disciples say. No, that, that's impossible. Jesus says, if I don't go away, if I don't die, You will die, and that's not good because you will die forever. If I don't die, you don't have life. And then the culmination of it all is when Jesus dies on the cross and says, all of your sins are forgiven. And then Jesus goes away. They didn't want him to go away. Jesus, we don't want you to go away. He says, I have to go away because something better than me is coming and it will be in you. And that day came. It's one of my favorite passages of the Bible, Acts 2. All of a sudden, the lights turn on because Jesus had told them, you're not going to get any of this. But then one day, my spirit is going to come upon you and all of a sudden you're going to get it. I see that's like my favorite part of teaching when the lights turn on, okay? I had it like 10 times on Friday where I was explaining myself and then I explained a little bit more and they say, yeah, I get it. And then all of a sudden, ding, light turns on. And they're like, I get it. And Jesus said, one day you are going to remember everything that I've said and it's all gonna make sense. And it did on that day. The mystery was revealed And that is awesome. Colossians 2, verse 2 says, I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. Christ in me. So the mystery was solved. And we could read Acts and see what that looked like when the mystery was solved. But Acts is not today. And it wasn't 100 years ago either. And it won't be 100 years from now. What about now? Well, if we kept reading, we would find out. And we did. The last couple weeks, we have heard from Darren talking about putting to death those things that are our old self. And then we heard David talk about putting on, I love that analogy, putting on all of these things. What are these things? Compassion, kindness. If you take all of those things that were listed there, basically what you're doing is you're putting on Jesus because that's who Jesus is. Christ in me. And so, I like to picture it this way. I'm sitting on my couch, and there is my picture window. I look out the picture window, and I'm looking down. I cut all those 100-year-old dead trees off in my front so from yard so I can see a long ways, and I see this vehicle pull up. And in this vehicle, Paul gets out. Now, Paul's a pretty righteous guy, so he probably drives a Dodge truck. Anyways, so uh, he gets out, right, Cole? Absolutely. And so he gets out and starts walking down the sidewalk and it's like, there's Paul. I recognize Paul. And so I get up and go to the door and open the door and walk down the steps and I say, hey, Paul, what are you doing in my neighborhood? And he says, I come to visit you. Really? Well, that's nice, Paul. And so Paul walks up the steps, and we go into our house. I say, come on in. He comes on in, and I happen to have my family there. Now, most of the time in my life right now, it's just Mona and I, but lo and behold, Jan and Danae are sitting there too, and we all gather around. And Paul comes into my house, into my home. He knocks on my door and comes into my home. And this is where our passage starts. He comes into our house. Chapter three, verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they won't become discouraged. Slaves, obey your human masters in everything. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but work wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. Knowing that you will receive the reward of inheritance from the Lord, you serve the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong he has done and there is no favoritism. Masters, Deal with your slaves justly and fairly, since you know that you too have a master in heaven. Paul dares to enter the lion's den. The home is a place that is both awesome and scary all at the same time. In a home, there is joy and there is sorrow. In a home, there is pleasure and there is pain. In a home, there is health and life and sickness and death. In home, there is laughter and there's anger. Home is where all of us are the most vulnerable. And often, all of us can be the most brutal. We so often, I so often, let me just not say we, I, I so often go through a day, and let's say it hasn't been a good day because we all have bad days. And I go through the bad day and I come home and then I just let it all out. That's the place to just be unhindered. And it's just blah like that. Now, too often, my children, my wife, reap the benefits of such a day that I've had at school. We just let it all hang out. Here's why. I, there's evidence in my life of this. Um, when uh, Johnny was in grade 12, we had another young lady from another community wanted to go to school here, and so she lived with us for a little while. Now, this young lady was not part of our home. She came and joined us. She was in our space, and we ate meals together and all that stuff. But before that, she wasn't part of our home. It takes a while for someone to be part of your home. And I noticed something, all of that blah that everybody just sort of let her rip all the time, when someone else is in the room, that's not there. We were very polite for about a year. It was, yeah, it was great. Perhaps not very real, but we were very polite. So Paul enters my home, he steps into my house And talks to my family. And talks to me. But Paul doesn't come in empty handed. Too often we look at verses like this. And we just take that verse. We pop it out. And we read it. God wants us to do this. We're going to do this, this, this. Mm. God's scripture is not meant to be read that way. If Paul doesn't walk into the house. And tell me these things. With the mystery of Christ in me in his hand. Bad things happen. If Christ is not in you and you read, wives submit to your husbands, it's funny how wives submit to your husbands, if Christ is not in me, I'm the husband and I think he's talking to me. Because then I'm thinking, yeah, submit to me. That's, that's not how this works. Paul brings in the mystery of the gospel and that mystery is Christ in me. And so if we enter this passage without Christ in me, without the mystery, we're gonna miss it. Let me tell you what I see in this passage. I see relationships. I see a slave and master relationship. I see parents and children. I see fathers and children. I don't see mothers and children. I find that interesting. Anyways, I don't know. Maybe they need no instructions. I see um, husband and wife. Now, I wrestled with this a lot. How do I put this all together? Um, And I decided that I'm going to have to take one part of it. And so, uh, which part am I going to pick? Is it the slaves and the masters? Well, you know what? that would be just kind of low-hanging fruit for me. That would just be too easy, a lot of fun, okay? Because I'm a shop teacher, work ethic is huge with me. And if this isn't talking about work ethic, there's a lot of things in here that I could just fire away, but I'm not gonna do that one. Parents and children, even though we got lots of kids here and probably lots of parents are like, I need some help, not gonna work on that one. Probably the principles that I'm going to draw from and help you with, are going to help you there but I'm going to focus on the one the scariest one for me I'll tell you that much when Darren texted me I want you to do this passage and I said okay that works into my timeline good and I looked at the passage and I was like I see you kind of want to me to take one for the team today don't you and so I'm going to take one for the team today we'll see how it works After Darren told me what I would be doing, I had to sort out my theology theology a bit. See, my wife and I have been married for 30 years this summer, and that's fantastic. And so here we are, we've gone through life, we've gone through some quite difficult things, actually. We've gone through things where uh, they happened to us, spent lots of times as parents in the hospital, they've happened to us, they've also happened because of us because we've done things to hurt the other person. So we've been through a lot of stuff. But still I had to sort out, how do I read this passage? Because there's the word submit in there. We don't really like that very much in our world. Our world doesn't want to submit to like anybody ever, especially if we disagree with them then we just have every right to not submit because they're wrong. If they're wrong, then I don't have to submit to them. Submit is a bad word. So I read a lot of articles and I listened to a lot of podcasts and I had conversations. We went over to Scott and Mabel's and I said, hey, what do you think about this? I said, Mabel, you're, you come from a very traditional Indian family where there was definite... Male and female roles, what did that look like in your world? And, and now, Scott, how, how do you guys work that out? And then I got their kids around, I asked them too, got their feedback, learned a few words that I didn't know before that I have to use in my classes now. They're not words, really, they're just letters that mean something. I don't know, G, W, I don't know. Anyway, so, so we had some great conversations, and I read a lot of stuff, and I listened to a lot of stuff. But most of what I heard in these articles were just Christianese words used to prove a point that hardly had any applicableness to my life. And at some point, I looked at them, they didn't satisfy me because there was a part of their theological logic. I don't know if this is a new word, I'm gonna say theologic. Is that a word, Scott? Theologic, I just made it up. Okay, there was part of their logic theologically, there was always something that was just missing, where I would say, yeah, but this. And then over in this side, yeah, but this. What about all of these things? And then I read, I should say, I was listening to um, a message by Timothy Keller on marriage. Now, he wasn't talking about Colossians, he was talking about Ephesians, and David told us last week, that he said Ephesians, Colossians, they're pretty close to the same. And in this passage, this part of the book in Ephesians, it actually goes into a lot more detail than Colossians. So he was preaching through Ephesians, same message as Colossians, same idea. And so I started to listen. And probably for the first time, his theologic made sense to me, and I couldn't find any holes in them. And so I looked, and it's like, how many more of these sermons does he have? Well, on the topic of husbands and wives, he only preached nine times in a row. And so then it's like, and I have 20 minutes? What am I going to do with that? And I definitely am not Timothy Keller. Um, Timothy Keller is, I would say, in my mind, one of the most influential in my life thinkers and writers and preachers of our time. That's how impactful he has been on me and a lot of people. And so I um, bought a book. I don't read a lot of books beginning to the end. I like to read articles. I don't have a long attention span. I usually get about three-quarters of the way through, and it's like, yeah, I think I've heard it all, and then I don't finish it. But I bought a book, and I would encourage you that I'm not going to give you all the details. I'm not going to be able to give that all to you. But I can give you some. And I would encourage you to read a book. Or I would encourage you to go online. Gospel in Life is the website. He's passed away this past spring. But he has some just fantastic messages that break down what I'm going to try and say to you today. Ephesians 5. The Bible tells us in various places... That we are to submit to one another. And it also tells us in many places that we're supposed to love one another. And so why does Jesus in this, or why does Paul in this point say, why does Paul say wives submit and husbands love? We're all supposed to do that already. Why is that? Paul in Ephesians goes back to the beginning and he takes the context all the way back. And he says, when God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden, a curse was placed on Eve and her descendants that she would want to rule over her husband. Oh my goodness, it's 1153. All right, so. um, Paul knew in that moment that because of the curse that was placed upon Eve, that she would struggle and want control and struggle submitting to her husband and a curse was placed upon Adam too, and his descendants, that they would struggle away in the dirt, just trying to scrape by to feed his family. And so he knew that husbands would often struggle with placing things above relationships, and they would forget that they need to love their wives. Now, if we read these verses through worldly wisdom, we'll take offense. You know why? Because I'm at the center of my universe in the world. It's all about me. Worldly wisdom says, to submit to anything is slavery, to be a slave to that. But Christ in me wisdom says, to submit is freedom. What does it look like to submit? I'm so blessed to have been here last week. Jocelyn and Allie gave their testimonies. And I just wanna say to both of them, thank you for being honest. And Jocelyn, I just appreciate your honesty and your vulnerability. And I know, and I haven't asked Connor this, but I'm pretty sure that that story was not the first time Connor had heard this. He probably knew all about those things. He probably knew so many things about Jocelyn and they've been married, like, how long? Not long, right? Okay, so you've only been doing this a little while. She made herself vulnerable and submitted to Connor. Submitted herself. That's a hard thing to do sometimes. Because what if Connor doesn't treat that with care? That's where it gets dangerous. What if Connor is not Christ in me? Now, I know I'm putting a lot of pressure on you, Connor, right now. I hope that's okay. Christ in me changes everything. Worldly wisdom would say that for the man to love is an avenue to get what I want. I'm going to do this so that I can get this. It's not about relationship. It's about getting stuff done. I gotta get her done. So there we are, my wife and I. This has happened many of times. We're lying there at night. It's been quiet for a while. I'm almost asleep. You know that moment where you're like, ah, and now I'm about to drift off, right? And then, and it's been about, it takes me a little while sometimes, so it's been about an hour, and all of a sudden Mona says, Are you awake? And I wonder if I should say, yes, or start breathing deeper. (laughs) I don't think I'm alone here. And so, I'm awake, yes, and so she starts to share vulnerability with me. I'm scared of this, all of these things, and she says these things. And I am lying there late at night, thinking, i got to get up tomorrow. Chances are likely that I'm gonna wake up at two o'clock and not be able to go back to sleep because that's been my world lately. And so then I'm lying there and I'm thinking to myself, I need to love my wife. That's the most important thing right now. It's not sleep or anything like that. A very important verse has been given to me by God lately. A couple of verses, John 15, seven and eight. Chantal already read them this morning, and they say, and they say, oh, lost me for a second. These verses are very important. I have them memorized, but I'll say them wrong if I try and memorize them. Say them up here. If you remain in me, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples." And so I'm lying there in bed, and I'm trying to decide whether to tell her I'm awake or to breathe deeper. And I just want to breathe deeper. I got to tell you, it's late, I'm tired. But instead, I have learned over the years to say, God, I... I can't do this. I just can't. I need you in me. And so I say, God, I'm gonna, need, I'm gonna need your help here. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. And so I say, God, I wish that I could love my wife now. And I roll over and I say, yeah, I'm awake. Now, I am here to testify. We had testimonies last week and that's awesome. I am here to testify right now that whenever I ask God, I need some help. He gives me help. He does it. Whenever I am sitting at home and I, need, I say, God, I need help resisting this temptation. I need help. You can do it, I can't. He does. It's amazing, it's a miracle. I told, I told Mona and Danae this yesterday, I got home, I was here for a couple hours trying to sort out what I was gonna say and I apparently went a little long and so I, I said, I came back and I said, a miracle happened today, several times. I'm preparing for this sermon. They're all jumbled up. I don't know what to do. And so I said, God, I need you to direct my thoughts. He would direct my thoughts. And then a little while later, I'd be all jumbled up again. I said, I need you. My wish is that I could do this well. He'd give me something else to say. i write it down. I, like, why he wouldn't say, just give it all to me then. He needs me to trust him. The true look of a disciple is not that you are more independent. It's that you're more dependent on God. And so you may be sitting here and you're not married. Maybe your husband or wife is gone. It passed away. Maybe you've been through a divorce. Maybe you're not married and hope to be someday. I don't know. But you can take this to the bank every single time. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. And it'll be given. I have to tell you that so many times in my life, and I've watched it in my kids' life, and I've watched it in other people's lives, they say to themselves, Well, I haven't been abiding very well lately. I haven't read my Bible. I haven't been praying a whole lot. This is your double barrel, Dave, right here, right now, okay? This is it. God wants you to ask Him. It doesn't matter what you've been doing in fact he wants you to ask all the time he wants you to be dependent on him because he is the source Christ in me yeah that's what I've got I'm gonna pray worship team come up dear God I'm so thankful for today I thank you for the people who are here today that you have given us this time and place again and I pray that hearts would be soft to your words as we sing this last song. In your name I pray, amen.
1: We're gonna close with the song we started our second package with, Abide. It's not the one we planned on doing truthfully. This morning we came here and I thought, no, I don't think we are supposed to do the one I planned. Turns out we were right, because I didn't talk to Chad this week. <laughs> I had no idea what he was preaching on. I had my own interpretation of what I wanted him to say and how it was going to end up. And <laughs> it's not, but yet the song fits just beautifully today. So I hope this is your prayer. As we end the service, as we go about our week, that this morning we take away that nothing in the Bible of application is doable without our dependence on him. Bye. Free- the branches the one who remains in me and i in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me if you remain in me and my words remain in you ask whatever you want and it will be done my father is glorified by this that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples My command. Love one another as I have loved you.
2: It's done. This week, as Frida went home, the transformation was complete. Do you understand that every day between now and when we meet Jesus, the transformation is taking place inside of us? And we try. We try so hard. We read and we pray and we try. But God makes the seed grow. He does the transformation. He does it. And she's transformed now. She's the way she's supposed to be. She's in his presence. One day we're going to be transformed like that. And each day the Holy Spirit is going to do a little bit of that inside of us. And that's going to look really different than the rest of this world who's not transformed. It's going to look different at home and at work, with your kids, with your spouse. All these different ways transformation is going to display itself. And then one day it's done and you realize you hardly did any of it. Because what is the mystery? Jesus does it inside of you. Paul, the same author, says at the end of Romans, as he finishes that letter, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but now it's been disclosed. It's Christ in you to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God. Be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you as you go this week and rely on the Holy Spirit to do his transforming work inside of your hearts. I love you. Be dismissed.